the Knit Action Podcast. My name is Becky, and I'll be your host. Guys, today I have another special episode, a little bit different format. Um, Kate Atherley is on the podcast today, so this is super exciting for me. I, you guys have heard me talk about Kate on the podcast before. I am a huge fan. I've taken some of her classes. I have several of her books. So um, Kate is on to talk specifically about her new book, which is The Beginner's Guide to Writing Knit and New Patterns. Uh, this is an interweave book that is available for $27.99 US, $34.99 Canada. You can also get it on Amazon. Um, and Interweave was kind enough to send me a copy of the book for review. Um, a little bit of background on this book, and Kate and I talk about it uh, in the podcast as well. She self-published this book under a slightly different title, and I have an autographed copy of that book, which means that this new copy that I have from Interweave is basically a spare. I don't need two copies in my library, so I'd like to give away a copy to you guys. So I'll be opening up um, a thread in the Ravelry group, and um, the prompt there will be let me know um, either if you write patterns, you know, what your biggest challenge is in terms of trying to write clear, clear directions for people and come up with clear ways to say things, or um, what's your biggest pet peeve in a pattern? Um, you know, what are the things that you find most challenging when you're knitting a pattern that people could do a little bit better? Um, I will open that thread up uh, when the episode goes live, and I will leave it open until August the 1st, and then I will draw a lucky winner for a copy of this book. So stay tuned for the interview with Kate at the end. I'll be back on to talk about um, the Knit Along and how that's coming along and all the great sponsors we have there. So Okay, so good morning, Kate. How are you today? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for being here. This is really, really exciting for me. I'm a big fan of your work, and so... I'm very happy to be here as well. Uh, I'm happy to talk to anyone who wants to listen to me talk about anything. It's the best <laughs> thing in the world. <laughs> so the first segment I usually do in the podcast is we usually talk about what's um, what's on our needles. And I'm sure that the listeners would love to hear what you are knitting on these days. Absolutely. So, well, uh, in front of me on my desk right now, I've got a pair of gloves and two pairs of mittens that I have to weave in the ends for. I'm working on my next book, which is all about mittens and gloves. And so, uh, let's see, I've got a pair of colorwork fingerless mittens on the needles, three sets of things that need their ends woven in, and some swatches for some upcoming designs as well. So there's lots of sort of hand-covering activity going on. Um, It's funny, when I um, knitted all the socks for my sock book, for whatever reason, I decided to leave weaving the ends till the very end. I would finish the socks, I would block them, and then I threw them all in a Rubbermaid tub, and, and then, you know, a week before I had to submit everything, I looked in the box and there were 20 pairs of socks and no ends woven in. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, gloves and mittens are worse because mittens, there's at least four and gloves, there's at least 10 ends. Right. So, um, so, yeah, I'm trying to do them. And I caught myself the other day. I thought I had all of them, but I was digging around in my box. So um, and there were three pairs. So I wish that I were knitting. I'm more weaving in ends at the moment. <laughs> that still counts, right? It does. It absolutely does. And so when does the, the mitten and glove book come out? So that's going to be that's going to be sort of late summer, fall 2017. So a bit more. Wow. Than now. Yes. Yes. 
And who's the publisher on that one? So that will be Interweave again. I've worked with them now, and this will be my third book with them. Yeah, that's very exciting. That's awesome. Very exciting. And can we expect that there will be classes to go along with that one as well? Oh, I'm quite certain there will be, yes. Good. (laughs) And it takes the same approach as the sock book, too. It's not just some patterns, but advice on how to knit them and how to make sure they fit. And for mittens, I'm also thinking about things like how to make warm linings. Okay. Um, So, yeah, it's, it's it's been fun for me. I'm enjoying this project very much. That is fantastic. Well, I have just on my needles kind of a basic summer T-shirt. Nice. Um, that I am trying to improvise a little bit based on patterns I like, the way they fit. Um, I took a craftsy class with Sarah Eyre, who used to be cephalopod. That's right. Yes. Yes. And uh, and dyed up some gorgeous purple yarn in my kitchen um, based on one of her recipes. And so... Um, so here in Colorado, you know, a fingering weight T-shirt will will get me through just about any time of year. <laughs> There's not much time that you can't wear wear knits in a fingering weight in Colorado. So yeah. nice. Oh, good. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, events. I know you have a big event coming up uh, here the first week in June, and I would love to hear more about that. Absolutely, yeah. So first week in June, I'm going to be at Squam again. This will be my second year, the Squam Arts Retreats. This event is really something special. I know that by the time the podcast uh, airs, uh, the dates will have passed, but people who are interested should definitely look at this for as, uh, subsequent events. Um it is really quite amazing. The setting is beautiful. It's on Holderness Lake in New Hampshire, and that's where they filmed the movie on Golden Pond. It's oh. spectacular. It's a really beautiful part of the country. It's very, very sort of foresty and hilly and really quite remarkable. And it's this sort of old-fashioned style family camp kind of a bit like 30 dancing maybe kind of uh maybe a bit more rustic not so much dancing um but it's you stay in these beautiful cabins with your instructors or your friends and then the uh the dining is all in a central hall and there are classes and they're in these different cabins and so last year my class was in a house that was right on the lake it was amazing so you so there's lots of time for classes but there's also lots of time for just for just knitting and relaxing and recharging and enjoying and so it's a special event from that perspective because everybody's there not just to learn but to just to be if that doesn't sound silly just to relax because what you get is you get a lot of people who are up from New York City and from Washington and from Boston and these are all busy busy people and they just want some time to be with their be with their their themselves be with their friends be with their craft and the, there's all kinds of classes it's not just fiber there's uh there's you know there's knitting and crochet but there's drawing and painting and woodworking and yoga and uh journaling and all sorts of things and it's a really wonderful opportunity to 
if sort of indulge yourself in a fantastic creative way and you get people who are sort of taking themselves outside their comfort zone with their craft because what you get is you get people who are really great knitters who you know them well and you see them and they say well but I'm not here for a knitting class I'm here to try something else yeah um and yeah it, it's a really really kind of special event so I was thrilled to be invited the first year and then to be invited back the second time well heck I, I couldn't say no um so very excited about that I go a week on Wednesday um, if you've not been if you've not heard of the event they're called the Squam Arts Retreats and it's Googleable S-Q-U-A-M I'm sure you could put a link in your show notes yeah. uh, and there are retreats a couple of times a year and other you know other sort of colleagues have taught there as well so um, if this sounds like something you might enjoy it's definitely worth looking at that's amazing that sounds heavenly <laughs> and it is it's remarkable so what classes are you specifically teaching this year? Well, I'm teaching a sock class. I've got a sort of a full day sock, uh, sock master class, if you will. And I absolutely love doing this. I mean, this is sort of my sweet spot with the socks. And for me, it's just a great thing because what I love doing is sharing with people you know, everything I love about sock knitting and tips and techniques and sharing, sharing methods and solutions to problems that they have. And we talk about not just how to knit socks, but sort of, you know, why toe up versus top down and yarn choices. And yeah, no, it's a full all day, all day sock experience, if you will. And then the second class I'm teaching is a cable knitting masterclass, which is fun. Oh, that's Um, fun. Yeah, well, and it started as, uh, a, you know, people want to learn about how to knit cables without a cable needle. And for me, that just really kicks off a whole exploration about how cables work and how you can customize them and design them and, you know, fixing mistakes. And, yeah, it's a whole thing. So um, that's been that's been fun for me to for me to plan out as well, because I've got to sort of play with a lot of my favorite cable patterns from Stitch Dictionaries. Yes. That's awesome. I will say for me, learning to cable without a cable needle was one of the, that's one of my favorite skills I've ever learned. It was very scary, right? Because there's that moment where the stitches are just hanging there on their own (laughs) and all could go awry. But, but in terms of, you know, taking cable knitting and making it a little bit more like portable and I don't need my I don't need an extra tool and I and I feel like speed wise really helped my knitting a lot so absolutely absolutely. well it opens the door as well to discussions about yarn choice too right because uh, you know we can talk about yarns that that uh, are (laughs) easier to drop off the needle less scary to drop (laughs) off the needle versus you know yarns that might be a bit scary so yeah no it's a whole it's a whole fun discussion about cable knitting so Oh, yeah. And I, I love it. It always makes me feel so clever every time I do it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> clever and brave. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Well, I have a couple of events here in Colorado that I'll be going to. Um, I am missing the Estes Wool Market. Have you ever been to the Estes Wool Market? No, I haven't, but I've heard good things about it. Yeah, so that, Estes is my hometown. Um, that's not where I live now, but it's where my family's from. But we will be away. But that's a great event that I always try to promote. They've been, last summer was 25 years of the Estes Wool Market, which is pretty yeah, exciting. And they all had signs about how they had made it through 25 years, some of the vendors that have been there since the beginning. So that was very cool. Um and then we have a couple of cool yarn crawls here in Colorado in August. So there's Hot August Knits, which is the northern Colorado. Loveland, Fort Collins, a couple of favorites like 
uh, the Loopy You and My Sister Knits, and some of those are in the, that first one. That's um, the first two weeks in August. And then the last two weeks in August is Yarn Along the Rockies, which is our right. other yarn crawl here with the Denver and Boulder area and Colorado Springs, actually, all the way down to Colorado Springs. So, um, so that's always a fun one. And then mid-September, we have the Salida Fiber Festival. So that's a lovely one, too. I, that's only in its third year. Um, and I went up last year and the drive to Salida in the fall is gorgeous. It's worth it just to drive. Um, cause the Aspens are changing and it's this lovely little mountain town. And so that's very fun. Um, and then in October I'm going to Rhinebeck and I have never been to Rhinebeck. So. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, you're going to have such a time. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. I yeah. cannot wait. So that's, that's my big, my big knitting adventure of the year. Oh, nice. Rhinebeck's really great. You've got to sort of go with the right frame of mind. First of all, lots of layers and waterproof shoes because it's muddy. Right. Um, and one of the things I love about Rhinebeck is it's as much, it's a fashion show, you know, because you're, you're looking at what people have, uh, what people have made. Everybody's decked out in their hand knit finest, which is great. Yeah. And I, I loved the food. It's all sort of hot apple pie and there's the legendary artichoke French as well. And um, yeah, I know it's, uh, yeah all good all good yeah. yeah I can't wait I'm thrilled I'm really excited so that'll be fun excellent so let's talk a little bit about um about your books um yes. I have so I have a copy of the original book that you self-published which was pattern writing for knit designers and I got this last year um at yarn fest and then interweave was kind enough to send me a copy of their version of the book, which is the beginner's guide to writing knitting patterns. And that's probably the, the one that's mainly available at this point. That's right. Yeah. The other one is, is officially out of print at this point. So the background on that is that I, I've been working as a technical editor for ooh, more than 10 years now. And before that I was a technical writer. I worked in software and I worked in sort of marketing communications and product design and specification and did all kinds of writing. We've got, pretty good I think at writing kind of complex technical stuff for audiences that may not be really technical and then I you know mercifully gave that up uh, <laughs> to have a much better life in the knitting industry and what happened was that um, as I started to editing patterns and becoming a technical editor I realized that my skill set was a little unusual not everybody had the writing background that I did and not everybody had that understanding of sort of the complexities of articulating technical stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I was getting a lot of, um, you know, feedback from designers and questions from designers that not only was I helping them with the numbers, but could I help them with how to write stuff, how to explain things. And so what I decided to do was write a book. How? Yeah. Uh, how to write knitting patterns and I self-published it because I assumed that the you know maybe I'd sell a couple of copies to my clients and you know a few beginner designers might be interested in it but what happened was the interest the interest was remarkable it it, it knocked my socks off it really did uh, and I just wasn't able to you know from the boxes in the corner of my living room I wasn't able to supply the people that wanted the book I wasn't able to really get it um, overseas or really outside sort of my local environment in the events where I taught. So uh, Interweave approached me about republishing 
reading it and I said, absolutely, help me get the book to a broader audience. And I, I've been thrilled with the response and the number of people who are interested. And I'm finding that it's not only people who are already designing, but people who want, you know, want to learn what, you know, the other aspect of designing. And I've also heard from people that it's helped them read patterns as well, because it's helped them sort of understand why things are written the way they are which I thought was really interesting. So, uh, yeah, no, the response has been fantastic. I'm very, very pleased with it. And hopefully, you know, I'm helping people who maybe aren't so confident about writing instructions or maybe don't have the technical writing background to just, you know, write clearer instructions for what it is that they're trying to, you know, trying to communicate out to their knitters. Yeah, I agree 100% with the comment that you made about it making it easier to understand um, what someone's trying to say in a pattern. I think everybody has reached that point in a pattern at some point where they think, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, what? What now? Yeah. <laughs> I read yeah. the words, but I'm not sure what to do. So I certainly found that. One of the things that I really like about the book, too, is I really enjoy the little pop quiz sections mm -hmm. that take, you know, here's, here's one way that you could um, write these instructions, but here's a clearer way to write these instructions. I, I really like that. I think that's all really helpful. I love the, um, the don't just take it from me, all the little quotes from, yeah. from knitters. I think that's really great. So well, and, and that's really important because I was well aware that this book was going to sound pretty obnoxious if it was simply <laughs> me telling you what to do right well our Kate says you should write it this way and I'm like no 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 there's a reason for doing things these way this way um because some of my opinions are some of my statements are pretty strong right and right. so what I did was I surveyed knitters and knitters of all levels everything from the newest knitters to people who've been knitting for 20 or 30 or more years and just what do you like to see in patterns what do you find helpful what do you find challenging what what makes you really excited about a designer in the way they write their instructions what makes you frustrated what makes you go huh um and so the idea was to just help people understand the value of doing things this way, not just because I told you so. I mean, I love it when people do things because I told them so. You know, the dog doesn't listen, so why should anyone else listen? <laughs> you know? um, so, yeah, thanks. I was I was pleased with that. And it's also quite gratifying, honestly, when, you know, I feel that you should really do something my way and knitters are saying, absolutely, we think it should be that way too. It's a sigh of relief on my part. So, um, but yeah, I and the pop quizzes are interesting because – Really, the, the point of the pop quizzes is to help people think about the level of detail required and to help people think about the details that matter. And yeah. when I teach this class in person, I will throw some pop quizzes up on this on the screen. Uh, you know, this is one of those classes that always requires a PowerPoint. And at first people are like, oh, yeah, that's you're just you're just that's ribbing. Right. I'm like. Yeah. Okay. So think about what that means and think about the level at which you need to read an instruction. And it forces them to put themselves in the shoes of the knitter. Yeah. Because one of the things that I think we forget is that if you're a skilled knitter, if you're a designer, you're probably pretty, pretty skilled, right? You forget sometimes what it's like to not yet be at that level. 
Um, you forget sometimes what it's like to not know the things that you know. Yeah. And so that's the key, I think, to writing good instructions is remembering that not everybody will know what you know and helping people understand what you mean by making sure it's accessible to, to knitters of all levels. And it's not to say that every pattern needs to be written for beginners. That's not at all where I'm going with that. Because sometimes I get into an discussions with people, people feel that because, you know, knitting pattern writing has styles have changed. And I get this question, I hear this question about once a month, well, do you think that we're dumbing these patterns down? By adding more detail, you know, we don't use reversing shaping so much anymore. So does that mean we're, and I'm using air quotes around this, are we dumbing things down? It's like, no, 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 no. We're making things friendlier and easier to use. Uh, But it's perfectly okay in my world to say this pattern is for, you know, people with some experience. This pattern requires knowledge of top-down salt construction, and this pattern requires comfort with reading cable patterns from charts. That's all cool. All I want, really, is the designer to just make a statement up front and set set expectations. So you can say, this is what... This is how the pattern is written, and this is what you'll need to know before you can tackle this one. And, you know, I think that's perfectly fair, and I think that's a really nice way of playing fair with your knitters and ultimately enabling your knitters for success. Um, Because really, you know, we want people to have a good time because knitting, you know, it's a hobby. We do it for fun. Even when it's not a hobby, we still do it for fun, right? So the process of following a pattern should be enjoyable. It shouldn't be a chore. Yeah, I think that's great. The other thing that I um, that I really thought was helpful. So I don't I don't design per se. Although about a year and a half ago, I I designed a few things really as a way to stretch myself, right? As a like not not a you know. Um, But I liked the idea too. You talk in the book about a style sheet. Yeah. How important that is. And I think one of the things that that is really helpful with is just reminding yourself all the things people don't know going into the start of the project, right? And making sure you capture all of those things, um, you know, right up front. I thought that was very, very helpful. And so the couple of things that I've done now, I I do have kind of my standard set that I can just plug things into. Yeah, absolutely. and that's helpful so that you don't you don't forget anything important. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the thing that I'm terrible at is um, remembering all the notions and, and tools and stuff I used because I've got a big, you know, big cupboard with lots of different knitting tools. And if I need if I need stitch holders or stitch, I just grab them and use them and put them away. And I don't I don't necessarily keep a list. Right. Um, and so and, you know, we were talking about cabling without a cable needle. I rarely use a cable needle. And so it doesn't necessarily always occur to me that a cable needle might have been required. So in my style sheet, in my little pattern writing template, I've got this ridiculously long list of notions. It's just in my standard document. I I never start with a blank document when I'm writing a pattern. I always start with this template. And I've got this long list of notions, including 
cable needles and buttons and zippers and stitch holders and stitch markers and scrap yarn and crochet hooks and, you know, all of those things. And it just reminds me, I have to go through the list and remove the things I didn't use. Yeah. It reminds me what I, you know, what I've forgotten about. So, yeah, That's very helpful. Great approach. It's like, uh, it's like starting with your grocery list every week, right? You know that you yeah. always need coffee yeah, exactly. and trash bags or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Good. All right. Well, we talked a little bit at the beginning about your background as a tech editor, and I know that you are the tech editor for Nitty. And we talked at Yarnfest about the fact that um, new, there's a new generation of knitters that are not as familiar with Nitty. That's true. Yeah, we've been around for so long. It's funny. We um, forget sometimes that there's people who are newer to knitting than we are. If you see what we mean. So yes. So knitty.com, K-N-I-T-T-Y.com is an online knitting magazine. It's been around for ooh, 12, 13 years now. And I am thrilled that I've been working with them since, I guess, ooh, 2008, I think. And um Nitty is designed to be a friendly, easy to use online knitting magazine. It's got patterns and articles as well. And the articles, we've got technique articles, we've got uh, profiles of famous knitters, we've got, uh, I wrote an article way back when about a visit to a sheep shearing. Because I know that it's something that not everybody has ever done. Yeah. Amazing, by the way. You should do it if you possibly can. Um, and um, lots and lots of stuff. And one of the things that we feel is really important at Nitty is that we're, when I say we're friendly, we've got patterns of all levels. So they're not just patterns for experienced knitters but we like publishing patterns that are friendly to newer knitters as well and we have what we call the nitty level of concentration index and so we rate the patterns by sort of how much thinking needs to go into them if you will you know are they mellow are they tangy are they piquant or extra spicy? Um, and so, you know, it's are you looking for something you can knit while you're watching something really good on TV? Or and so that you might, you know, you might want to, uh, you know, find yourself a mellow pattern because you're paying attention to TV. Or are you looking for something really engaging to knit that can uh, can keep you entertained while you're on a long flight, you know, so you might go for something piquant for that. Um, but what we do is we we check all the patterns we technically you know we 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 edit all the patterns we proofread them to make sure that they're they're accessible uh they're user friendly to use an expression from my previous life right. um and they're correct you know we we try and make sure that they're correct there aren't any silly typos in them and so they're accessible to knitters as well whose first language isn't necessarily english because you know this is a global audience and there are lots of people around the world who are knitting and uh just because knitting patterns are published in english doesn't mean you have to speak english to be able to read them Right. And this is an interesting thing because I uh, I can work from a Japanese pattern, can't read any Japanese. But if you can learn the lingo for the key elements and learn how patterns are laid out. And so what we do at Nitty is we uh, try and make sure that they're friendly to people who aren't necessarily, you know, uh, uh, English speakers or strong English speakers and uh, lots of different things. We've got socks and sweaters and shawls and accessories and garments and you name it. I think that's great. I know that when I was a new knitter, 
which was probably right around the time that Nitty started. It was probably 12, 13 years ago now, yeah. maybe more like 10 years ago. But but Nitty was my go-to for everything. Nitty yeah. is where I learned how to do a provisional cast on. And um, Nitty is always my, you know, if I if there's a technique that I'm really not sure where to go, that's usually my starting point. Nice. Because you guys do have such a, and there's such a long library it's such a you know so much depth there in terms of how long you guys have been putting stuff like that out and then I feel like there are some wildly popular designs that maybe people don't remember started out as knitty designs like the monkey socks right that's everybody, true, yeah. everybody knows the monkey socks and that was a knitty pattern and that's one of that's the true. most most popular ones out there and you guys have had some really exceptional designers over the years too which is exciting and because the patterns are free on knitty it, it makes those um, designers accessible to a, a wider audience. Absolutely, yeah. One of the things we do at Nitty, and I think it sort of ties into this conversation, is we do have advertising. We're advertising supported. Um, and the reason we do that is that we want to be able to pay the designers so that you're getting great work and we're able to use really great designers. Uh, but we also, frankly, need to be able to pay me and the other tech editing team because we want our patents to, to work. And we want our patents to be free and uh, to be free, but to be good. Yep. And this is something that's important, I think, perhaps to a newer knitter too, is um, understanding the difference between a patent that's been well written and a patent that's maybe mm, it's a good outline, but perhaps not detailed enough. Um, there's a lot of people out there who are publishing free patterns, and there's lots of free patterns on Ravelry. Um, but you know, it's not necessarily uh, if the patent hasn't been proofread or it hasn't been, you know, worked with, a, created with a style sheet in mind, and maybe it doesn't have all the details you need. Maybe it assumes more knowledge than you have, or maybe, you know, there's been a typo crept in, because typos happen. Yep. I very nearly published a hat pattern a few weeks ago, and I was a little bit perhaps overzealous with the keyboard, and the hat pattern asked you to cast on 9,000 stitches. <laughs> um, so less coffee. I had less coffee uh, the next day. But, um, but yeah, it's one of those things where not all free patterns are created equal. And, you know, obviously as a designer, I encourage you to learn a bit about how to write patterns. Oh, hey, there's a book. There's a reference. <laughs> right. But as a, as a knitter, it's good to understand that, you know, that to look for a good pattern that you're going to find helpful. Because I strongly believe that knitters are capable of pretty much anything given clear instructions. It's like cooking, right? Right. If you've got good enough instructions, you can make, you can cook anything mm -hmm. with the right instructions you can bake bread um you know not you know if the instructions are detailed enough you may produce a doorstop which is what happened to me the first time i tried to bake bread um because what i did is i chose a recipe that wasn't written in sufficient detail what i did was and knitters do this too i chose a recipe that was short so i thought it would be easy well, I don't know if you know anything about baking bread, uh, yeast breads, but I chose a recipe that was nice and short. But, you know, the instructions were add yeast, knead, let rise, knead. No. Well, right. If you know anything about baking bread, that's not really suffi sufficient, at least not for a new baker. I have a friend who's really good with yeast breads, and he can make a terrific loaf of bread from this recipe. I can't because I don't yet have enough 
and you know, yes, still working on it. Uh, but I don't yet have enough skills to be able to kind of feel what's right for the dough. So in the same way that, it, you know, if you're, if you're an experienced sock knitter, a pattern that just says turn the heel would be sufficient. If you're not an experienced sock knitter, you probably want a bit more detail than that. Right. So. Good, good. So what's next for Nitty? Any big things on the horizon for you guys well, there? Well, so it's that time of year. Our fall, our first fall issue will be out uh, at the end of June. So just kind of probably around the time that uh, this podcast goes live. And I love it's my probably my favorite issue of Nitty is the first fall issue because uh, what happens is that we um, it's all of those early accessories that you wear, you know, fingerless mittens and light scarves and shawls that you wear just as the weather starts to turn yeah. before things get really, you know, before you get truly bundled. And so I think I love those early fall accessories the most because fingerless mittens you can show off and a shawl that you can wrap, you know, big generous shawl you can wrap around your light coat. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so look for the, look for the next issue of Nitty coming up. One other note that I should um, I should make about Nitty as well. In addition to advertising, we also have a Patreon fund, uh, which what we do is, and you know, I'm not going to give all the details on this. It's not really my pitch to um, my pitch to give, uh, but it is a um, it is a funding a couple of dollars every issue. And what you do is you get some ex special exclusive content. You get advanced access to the issue and some extra extra stuff. Um, so if you're interested and you, you like Nitty, we, we do support it that way as well. Fantastic. I'll link to all of that in the show notes so that people know Thank you. where to find Thank all you. that information. Thanks. Yeah. So I would love to take just a couple minutes, if you don't mind, and talk about the Custom Fit Sock Book. Of course. Always happy to talk about socks. I am a big fan of the Custom Fit Sock Book. And so I took your class uh, last year at Yarnfest. And it has transformed my sock knitting. Uh, Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. And really has changed the way that I think not just about socks, because I think there are a lot of knitters who early on don't understand the importance of sort of the fundamentals of things. And I certainly was guilty of a lot of those types of things early in my knitting career. Yeah. So oh, me too, me too. I mean, you know, we all have to come to the, there's a learning curve for everything, right? Yeah. But maybe like not making smart yarn choices. Right. And so I have a sweater upstairs that I knit from a cotton and, and it's sort of like, it's sort of like all of my mistakes wrapped into one, right? Like the cotton was not the right choice for this sweater. And the, I just used the needle size that was written in the pattern. And that was right. My case. Yeah. And, you know, all of those things. And on socks, I think people feel like everybody's got kind of their sock recipe, you know, that they, that they do. They have the, the size needle that they always use or the number of stitches they always cast on. And after I took your class, both of those things changed dramatically for me. I use, I went down all the way down to a size zero needle because I'm a very loose knitter. Yeah. Um, and uh, I thought I was a 64 stitch sock knitter and it turns out I'm a 56 Good. sock knitter. Good. So that's a tremendous amount of difference, you know, yeah, it's it the number of stitches cast on. Um, and I also just learned a lot of things about my gauge and so you, people think about socks as vanilla but for me I I figured out 
quite a bit about my knit gauge versus my pearl gauge in mm-hmm. class. And part of it was I took your war and peace socks class as well. Right. And so then when I got home from that and was was playing with that technique, and I still have, I have two half-finished socks upstairs, but it was interesting to watch as I sort of mainly purled the one sock and mainly knit the other sock that they grow at very different rates. And it never occurred to me until then that my knit gauge and my pearl gauge were different and right. that the fabric would behave differently. So, I, I mean, I learned a tremendous amount about gauge just from that. And I'm not sure people would realize that, gosh, just knitting socks, they could learn things that would mm-hmm. influence all of their knitting. You know, people think about it as just socks sometimes. Right. And, and for me, it was a real, real transformation in a couple of ways. So well, I'm thank a, you. Thank yeah. you. It's never just socks. It's no. nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the custom fit socks book for me, I mean, it is about measurement. It's about, I show you how to measure your feet and I show you how to, uh, you know, make sure that the socks you're making are the right size for your feet and making the right fabric. Because, you know, I began, began as a sock knitter with a single size sock pattern because, you know, for a long time, that was all that was being published was, well, it was just, or sometimes you'd get a man and woman size socks. Nice. Uh, but people have really different sizes feet um so that's the first thing and the second thing is people knit really differently as well there's you know you have different gauges and for sweater i mean okay if you knit looser your sweater's bigger if you knit tighter your sweaters maybe a bit tighter but it's you know ultimately you can still wear a too loose sweater right you know it may not look the way exactly the way you intended and you know it's rare that a sweater is so tight that you can't put it on um and fabric i mean it you know it it has some effect with the garment but with socks these things are you know not to sort of make you panic but they're kind of make or break Mm -hmm. because you know getting the right size and getting the right fabric is the difference between a pair of socks that will last six months and a pair of socks that will last years right and ultimately you know I, i socks aren't quick to knit quicker than a sweater but this is not a two-hour exercise right this right. is there's several hours and if we're going to go to this much trouble it's trouble i enjoy but if we're going to go to this much trouble then we should make these socks last we should make these socks really be worth the effort and so um i want to make sure that people um you know really have socks that fit well and that wear well and that feel good. Because yeah. that's the other thing. It's not just about making sure that they they wear well, but a pair of socks that fits properly feels better. Yes. And lasts longer. Yep. So, yeah. And it's, you know, for me, it's tied up with a whole bunch of things as well. Even just, you know, and it goes funny, it goes back to pattern writing. You know, I don't think patents have necessarily really helped people understand how a sock should fit uh, because they're sometimes not providing enough detail and, you know, in terms of how to choose a size and what's this negative ease business all about. That's a question that comes up an awful lot, I think. Um, And so, yeah, just helping people choose the right size and whether they're designing their own or, you know, or modifying their own, or they're just simply 
making sure they're choosing the right size of a pattern that already exists. I think that makes a big difference for people. And yeah, I hear a lot and it's really gratifying that, yeah, it turns out I was making the wrong size and they're better now. So that's, that's really great for me to hear. Great. Well, I will link as well. This is also an interweave book and I'll link to that one in the show notes as well. So that people know where to find it. Um, and uh, we've, I've talked about the, this book on the podcast before, so people know my thoughts about it just as Excellent. a great reference, but also the beautiful patterns. It's not just a reference. There's some gorgeous socks in the book Thank as well. You. So Thank you. Yep. Yep. And I did talk a couple, I reviewed maybe a month ago, Ann Bud's book that you contributed to, The New Directions in Sock Knitting, and I love that right. book very much as well. Yeah, there's some really neat stuff in that one. Yeah, I like that one a lot. So, yeah. Right. And then the mitten and glove book that I mentioned at the beginning takes a similar approach to the sock book in that it's going to have sort of the vanilla patterns from multiple sizes and multiple gauges. Because that's one of the things about the sock book is I've got, um, you know, you can knit socks any which way you want. I've got for both toe up and top down, I've got 12 sizes and nine gauges. Yes. <laughs> and then a whole bunch of ways to customize those. And for mittens, what I've got is I'm going to have... Uh, and you know what I haven't counted, but a whole bunch of sizes and a whole bunch of gauges as well. Probably similar range, I think. I need to confirm that. And um, and a bunch of different customizations. So, you know, mittens, gloves, fingerless mittens, you know, open top gloves, if you see what I mean. Yeah. And stuff on how to make linings and strings and all sorts of different different details that way. That's exciting. And I would assume that the mitten and glove book, too, is more of a range of yarn gauges, too, right? Where the socks, I mean, most people knit Absolutely. finger weight socks, but mittens, yeah. you so, know. Yeah, I mean, most, yeah, most people do knit fingering weight socks. It was funny, one of the one of the reviews of the book, um, it was funny, said, it said, well, most of the designs are for fingering weight. And it sort of made me chuckle a bit because it was like, well, yeah, most of the designs are fingering weight, but that's mostly what people knit but then that's what the templates are for too that's what the table exactly. want to knit different there's different gauges but with the mittens there's been a whole range of gauges which is fun um so uh you know there's a couple of pairs of mittens that have basically taken me three nights to knit because <laughs> bulky what pair bulky white children's mittens go very quickly yeah. i've forgotten quick there <laughs> so it's it's good yeah so that is great. Well, I cannot express to you how much it means to me that you're willing to do this. I really am such a fan and I appreciate you taking time. I know you're super busy. So, um, so thank you. So you guys, the summer superlatives knit along is in full swing and I wanted to spend a little time and talk about how that's going and where you can, um, give some love to our sponsors. So there are threads open in the Ravelry group for um, best use of stash, best yarn acquisition, best knitting on the road, best in class. If you guys have ideas as we go along this summer, let me know and let's add some more for fun. But um, the other way to enter your finished object products would be projects would be just to tag them um, with the hashtag uh, KAP summer cow. And um, you can do that on Instagram. I'll be drawing a couple of Instagram winners as well. Uh, the threads will stay open until September the 1st. So any knitting is eligible. Anything you work on all summer long. Um, it would be finished objects that go in the thread. But they can be things that have been on your needles for as long as you want. This is not a 
start and finish. There's really no restrictions at all. Just to have a little fun and show you guys a little bit of love with some great sponsor prizes um, for being fans of the podcast. So um, without further ado, I want to talk you guys through the prizes that I have um, from some amazing sponsors. The first thing that I have are some patterns. Um, Yumi Yarns, Shayna is a listener of the podcast and she has offered some of her patterns to winners of the cow. Jen Sheelan, who has a video podcast that you guys should definitely go check out. Jen um, is a longtime listener of the podcast and has offered up a copy of her New Horizons cowl, um, which is a new pattern of hers, and it's a beautiful um, cow pattern. You guys should definitely check that one out as well. There is a special thread um, for winners using sponsor products, so don't forget that to you guys show these guys some love for um, the fact that they are being so generous for all of us. Um, I have a skein of Kramer Yarns Belfast. That is the um, cotton bamboo silk acrylic blend that I knit my mom's Mother's Day shawl in. Um, really nice cotton yarn for a summer project. Uh, so I have one skein of that. Um, I have a set of four fix-a-stitch tools. So these are really cool tools, you guys, that um, they look, they're about the size of a darning needle, maybe a little bit longer, with a crochet hook on each end for picking up drop stitches, particularly great for picking up drop stitches in garter stitch, which is something that I struggled with myself a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'm still working on my spectrum shawl. They dropped a stitch in garter and it was kind of a nightmare to pick back up. So these are a really cool tool um, and they have generously offered a set for a winner of the cow. The next thing that I'm super excited about and I had been hoping to review for you guys is the Portside Dop Kit from Sprout Patterns. So Sprout Patterns is a new venture by the folks that do Spoonflower. Spoonflower is a company, if you're not familiar, they will print fabric for you. So you can put together any uh, design that you want and they will print it on fabric. They also have a library of thousands of fabric designs that you can order. You can order wrapping paper and wallpaper and fabric on all sorts of different fabric. So it's really cool. But their new venture is Sprout Patterns, which is um, a service where you can pick a pattern and a fabric. They print the pieces on the piece of fabric and it comes to you ready to be cut. So they send you all the instructions, but instead of having to print and then cut out or tape and then cut out a pattern and then pin that on the fabric and then cut it out again, the fabric comes with the piece is already printed on it. And I was hoping to have my dop kit done so I could review it for you guys, and I just have not had time to sew. Um, but look for a review for me very soon on that. It's really cool. So um, a port side dop kit in the choice of your fabric, which will be really neat. Manos del Uruguay has um, offered up a skein of their Manos Marina yarn in the colorway of your choice. Uh, that is their lace weight yarn, and so that'll be really nice again for a summer project. Um, Kramer Yarns has also offered up two skeins of their Tatney Tweed DK in the color of your choice. Dale Garn Yarn has a brand new yarn coming out in July, and that will um, be called Eco Baby Wool, and they are offering up two skeins of that yarn as well, so that's exciting, something that's not even in market yet. Melanie from Knit Stitch Yarns is a local yarn dyer. She's in Littleton, Colorado. And she will be launching mini skein sets in July, and she has offered up two of those for winners of the cow. So that's very exciting. She also has offered up a coupon code for all of you guys, um, and that is 10% uh, off any order 
over $25 and the code is KNITACT10. So check her out. Please send her some love and use that coupon. Nitty Kitty Bags. Um, Wendy's a listener of the show and has offered a bag of your choice from her Etsy store. So please go check her out. Um, she's got gorgeous bags and that was very generous of her. Um, Annie Pearl's Homemade Goods. That's another great Etsy store from one of our listeners. And um, Annie has offered up a Zippy Project bag. She's going to make one up special with some cute fabric that has um, vintage bathing suits for the winter, which is a great summer theme. So um, please go check her out and give her some love as well. Um, and then Briggs and Little has offered up two skeins of any of their bases in the color of your choice. Um, so lots of great stuff to win, you guys. And like I said, this is like the world's easiest knit along, right? We're just going to have some fun and enjoy the summer and enjoy our knitting. So I hope that you go and give the sponsors some love. And thank you for everything that you do listening to the podcast and being supportive.